Auto Cartridge Audio. My name is Trevor Strunk, Tegobon on Twitter, and I am back again with a, a friend uh, of the of the show, someone who has been on before, uh, and, and will be on again. I'm sure. Uh, uh, it's 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 Zach Kutzer. Zach, hello. Oh, I, I don't know about that. I could I could do something horrible in the next little while. That'll, well, no, that's they, true. that'll make you regret. Uh, ever reaching out to me in the first place you know and let's, look like, like let's not we're, we're, let's not count our chickens before they hatch we're all rooting for you to do something horrible no. um we all want you to have your um we all want you to have your like uh your btk moment yeah we're all we're rooting for you a lot it's rosh hashanah it's the new jewish year i've it's a lot of opportunity to do something uh different and maybe it's, that something different will be uh Serial uh, re- reinventing myself as a generally miserable and horrible person. That's my mm. right. That's my right. <laughs> that, Shana that is to- your right. Shanatova, Trev. Shanatova. Uh, is it Shanatova or is it Shanatova? Um, it's. I say Shanatova. I don't think there's like. I mean, listen. You're you're the Jewish person in this. Yeah, I think I'm getting mixed up because there's no like official way to spell. Jewish words in English, which is why you can spell Hanukkah however however you please. There's no wrong way. Uh, and if a Jewish person tells you you spelled it incorrectly, we're just messing with you because we think it's funny. Um, but isn't it, it? But don't we also have to agree at that point? Like I feel yeah, like if, yeah, if you yeah. said that, I'd have to be like, well, I guess I misspelled it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I'm also yeah, just, I'm also messing with you. It's yeah. Again, it's one of the one of the little Jewish perks that we have. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I say Shana Tova. It's kind of like, I don't know how much you'll be able to relate to this, but like at Passover, what do you do? Like the the Passover Seder, the Passover dinner, and like a bunch of those portions of the Passover Haggadah you like sing a song to. And like you'll sing it one way your entire life, but then you'll like do a Passover Seder at another family's house and they do like a completely different tune. And you just feel like. Uh, you know, not unlike the Matrix, you just took the red pill of Passover yes. Haggadah songs. Like you, you now know there's a there's a world beyond um, the way you sang "Die Die Anu." Uh, there's a whole different die, tune. Die, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, yeah, no, you, you can listen, relate a little bit after all. I can. I I I did have to do. Uh, I did the chair, the the uh, Havanagila with. Um, a buddy of mine, I, I, I had to uh, basically keep an overzealous uncle from uh, throwing him like <laughs> bodily into into the air. Um, he was terrified, but, you know, he married a Jewish woman. So this Wait, is, this is what sang, happens. They sang Die Die Anu at a bar mitzvah? No, no, I was I was no, no, it was a it was a wedding, a Havanagila. But uh, uh, Die Die Anu is. Yeah, I just know that song. I, I don't know why I know it. Maybe it's from um, the reason all sorts of people know about uh, Jewish things. Uh, they watched Rugrats. Yes, um, yes. Uh, the rare Hanukkah Passover <laughs> TV special that you got. Um, it was important. Um, I also think uh, that um, when I was in, this is something I've, I've mentioned on the podcast before. But when I was in, uh, when I would go regularly to Quaker meeting, um, our thing that we did instead of Sunday school was called First Day School. And in first day school, our teacher, a um, uh, very kind man named Bruce, um, who was also just like, I mean, you know, absolutely sort of like, if you, if you, this sounds mean, but like, it, it's not meant to be like, if you could imagine like someone who you would say like, 
oh, the, like, as you would say of a dog, like, oh, in terms of spirituality, he is a mutt. Um, like, just very interested in kind of everything. Um, and uh, we just learned all sorts of stuff about different religions. And at the end of every uh, first day school, we would, uh, he would say, Baruch Atai, Elohai, Baruch Atai, Elohai, Elohai, Eloheinu, whatever. I, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend like I know all of it. I'm, I, I won't, I won't offend both of us, but um, uh, the, uh, he would say that. And then we drink grape juice as a sort of like form of communion and just like really just make everyone upset uh, if they knew about it. In uh, in Judaism, obviously, you got Hebrew school, which is like uh, the back part of any synagogue. They sort of have these little classrooms in, and you might go once or twice a week, mostly to like learn the the cliffs notes on like Jewish holidays and how to read and speak Hebrew. But it was pretty intense because like the people they had teaching these classes, you know, fluent enough in Hebrew to teach uh, young children are, are the most intense Jews they can like expose you to at such a young age. Even, oh, sure. Even, even compared to like the actual like rabbis and cantors. I just, uh, two, two incidents like just really stand out to me. Uh, one time when I just like wasn't paying attention and I asked for the, an answer to a question. And I think, you know, my brain just like pulling from biblical names that I knew answered Jesus and they got extremely mad at me. It's like you basically like, you basically did the thing in The Simpsons where they're uh, where the, the Flanders are doing like Bible trivia for them. And then they guess uh, they they guess like instead of the serpent of Rehoboam, they guess Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's exactly like that. But I got like shouted down at and I was like. Like I had truly horribly offended them and like all oh, the wow. other kids in the class, like not really knowing what to do at this point, had to like sort of mirror that expression <laughs> no no other jew like in your life will sort of react in that sort of way and the other the other incident was like when a pigeon flew in the class and they went absolutely rambo on that pigeon with a broom oh yeah no that pigeon can't be listen they're teaching young children that pigeon pigeon needs to be put down but you got to put a little penny in a Sadaka box, and sometimes their Sadaka box would be like one of those mechanical ones where you put a little penny in a monkey's mouth and it jumps into a box. Ain't that cute? That is cute. Ain't What's a Sudaku box? Uh, I think you like you like put a penny in there so that they can plant a tree in Israel or something. I don't know. Some man, kind of kind of sus. <laughs> kind of yeah, yeah. Surprise, you know, kids. Kids aren't I'm really canceling you. kids. Kids aren't really thinking where those UNICEF pennies are going, are they? No, they really aren't. Um, I, I mean, I, I probably planted a lot of trees in Israel, and and you know what, trees are fine. Uh, what's not fine is apartheid states. Uh, I, I don't know, no, who, who I'm going. They're to missile trees. This. Oh no! Yeah, they grow oh, missiles gosh. on those trees. Jeez, darn it! Um, Ballistic missile trees. <laughs> you know you. <laughs> You gotta read the fine print. I've heard of mistletoe, but a this pen, is ridiculous. A, pen, a penny can go a long way. This is uh They might so have they far. might have they might have milked five dollars out of me over over the entire uh, semester. I gotta say so far the best episode we've ever done. Um <laughs> <laughs> Wow. So, what? Oh, nothing, nothing. Go, oh, go I was, on. I was, I was just kidding around. I, I wanted more, I, more terrors like, of Hebrew school. I can, uh, 
it felt like it this felt like sort of a we we talk about it enough but in in a way this felt sort of like a best show style discussion um just sort of going on and 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 being whimsical and and and, at all um i don't know maybe you don't feel that way i'm just trying to remember what the name of that movie like they also had like movie nights at hebrew school and one was that 90s one about the woman who adopts a gorilla just google oh checks in no it wasn't i just found it it's a buddy with renee russo and alan Cumming. yeah boy alan Cumming. Jeez, 25% on Rotten Tomatoes. So. Alan Cumming is one of those like extremely like respected actors who has just almost never been in a good role. Is he like I think people just like him. He just seems like a pleasant person. I thought he was like is he not Shakespearean? I thought he might have I think been, he does like, a lot of stage acting. I don't know if that translates directly to Shakespeare. No, not that I can't imagine it. Uh, I thought he was like I thought he was of the of the group of like British people where they're like well actually they're like a like a serious don of Shakespearean acting like what you're Spy watching Spy Kids is, a, is real high up on his Wikipedia article as is Son of the Mask uh, let's see if things wow. get any better from there uh, I mean how better <laughs> Oh yeah he he's, no no he's, he's definitely now. done some Shakespeare uh, yeah Macbeth that's a Shakespeare play right. Yeah, Maka's um, is what they is what they call that play in Australia. Played Mac the Knife in the Three Penny Opera opposite Cindy Lauper. That would have been delightful. Wow, I don't. How do you think Cindy Lauper would have been in musical uh, theater? You know, she just she just seems like a hoot and a half. She does light up any room she's in. Yeah. Um. So Cindy Lauper and, and time after now. time, genuinely very nice song. It is. I, yeah, no, it is a nice song. I always think I'm not going to like it um, when it comes on, and then I end up, I end up listening and 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 being pretty, pretty, pretty okay with it. Video games. Video games. Yeah, All right. yeah. So Zach, you are the you are the. Um, I'm trying to like. I'm trying to remember if this is what you would call yourself or not. I'm just going to call you it, editor and rack on tour. Okay, that wasn't the a word. Rogue I was use. and a scandal. Boy, okay, yeah. There's a scandal. lot of words that you're using here that I was not going to yeah. use. So I feel a little. I feel a little less bad about the one I was going to use. Um, you're a bit of a. You're. You're. You. You are the. Um, the editor in chief of of uh, Funland magazine. Am I? Am I correct in saying this? That is correct. Okay. Great. Um. What you also are are a lover of uh, of those those wacky things we call video games, um, correct? And, and which makes you something of uh, something something that interests me, which is that you are someone who is both interested in playing and thinking about video games. Uh, I, I do spend a lot of time thinking about video games and um, about Universal Studios Orlando. Those are two things I spend a lot of time thinking about. Okay. Why do you think about Universal Studios Orlando a lot? I just dig their general thing. You like all the, you like the rides that are basically like a ton of practical effects? Yeah. Yeah, I like big robots. I had that King Kong robot yell at me and I thought, this is it. This is, this is what living's all about. That was really cool. It's getting screamed at by a giant monkey robot. Listen, like there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with enjoying that i i think about that a lot too and jaws and then you, um, you, then you, kinda, you, you continue growing up and you watch more movies and you think damn what if there was like 
a huge ride where a robotic version of these characters screamed at me. Yeah, and and unfortunately, even Universal Studios is just going to give you this sort of like pseudo three D ride now. Which yeah, is in, in its in its way, not bad. Like, I, I, I saw the videos of that it. Mario Kart one, which oh, is there a Mario Kart one? Yeah, now? there's a Mario oh. Kart one, and I think they're going to open that up in the states. But it goes slow. I thought it'd be like a fast ride, but it moves like at a snail's pace. <laughs> Mario monorail. Yeah. Like, sorry, this is one of the educational Mario games. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's Mario teaches typing the ride. Your, your you parents. The the cart stops until you can type like two cats. <laughs> Cat. Eight Apple. Your your parents couldn't spring for one of the fun games, so they got no. you one of these. Well, they didn't uh, even know, they didn't even know they needed a, a separate console for it. They just saw a Mario game for the computer and thought that's good. They yeah, so you Mario. can't even you can't even get most of the functionality out of it. It really kind of just like is a bummer. Um, when you mention it to your dad, he just gets quiet. <laughs> that sucks, you know. But that's what happens when you're an '80s kid, man. I love, uh, like, so many kids either rented or even worse bought something like Mario is Missing or oh, yeah. Mario's Time Machine, just assuming it would play like a regular Mario game. You're even like, hey, a it's, little it's bit. It's my friend Mario. Yeah, I love yeah. this guy. He's You see his face when it's going to be a fun Mario game and adventure. You know, little do you know, little do you suspect that it's all just this horrible ruse to try to teach you about Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> that guy those, shows up in like every those, educational those game. Those SOBs. <laughs> I'll like, learn about Benjamin Franklin when I damn feel like it. I feel like Benjamin Franklin is like the go-to, right? Like this is this is the guy who's just like, they're just like, people need to know more about this, like this weird sexual uh guy who wanted to be a Frenchman. Um, they just don't know enough about him. <laughs> just like in his uh, 101 fun jokes about money. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's Rich Richard's al- almanac. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I never really thought of poor Rich. That's uh, that's the joke there, isn't it? He, If he was alive today, he'd be like, You'd see like ads for seminars across the subway. Maybe <laughs> the guy on, on YouTube who's like, who's like, yeah, this is my. He'd be a Tony is, Robbins types. Uh, yeah, Ty down. Lopez is that the guy's name? Who's like, who's like, yeah, this is my, this is my uh, Ferrari, and I have eight others in the garage, plus twenty on another uh, place. How this did I do my, it? I read my, seven books. This is my garage, and you might think that my cars are the favorite things about them, but you'd be wrong, because if you turn around and look behind me, there's yes. a wall of kites and keys tied to them, and that's <laughs> that's, that's the where the genius one. really comes in. This, this is the real shit. Um, well, uh, so as as an editor-in-chief of a video game magazine, yeah. I'll, I'll call it I'll call it an experimental video games magazine. Oh, okay. uh, does that does that does that give you a certain charge or is that uh, something you don't like? I'll accept it. OK, great. Um, that's that's pretty much what happens when I ask people if something I'm doing is giving them a charge. Um, I look for I'll accept it. Uh, the, um, the 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 work of writing a video games zine magazine however you want to imagine it uh not not even like you know limited to having to crowdfund it and having to like 
really think about like, okay, I'm, 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 I have to work out a way for this to, to be funded and like, and, and sustainable, et cetera, et cetera. Like just the idea stuff, right? It's a lot of work. So my question is, and, and it's been a question I've been asking a lot of people and a question I, I expect I'll be asking long into the future. Um, what about video games makes you want to put in this work? What about video games makes you say, you know what, like this is this this is actually kind of the aesthetic thing that I want to spend my time on. Um, you know, I just feel like I've I've put so much time and effort into them. It, I'd, I'd feel quite the fool to back out now. <laughs> so uh, what you're telling me is it's sunk cost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's okay. that's a good way to look at it. Um, <laughs> Zach, thanks for being on. Uh, I don't know, like just, just kidding. it is it is like I think a profoundly large portion of people's lives now. Like it feels like video games are such a common thread, not only through pop culture but like uh, sort of contemporary anthropology we're going through. It's it's mm. it's so video games are so persuasive now, right? Sure. Like, and as as much as like uh, th- those of us who talk about video games a lot more than others, it's not like no one else is playing them. Um, well, sure. And like and like people, you know, this is something that I've talked about in episodes before is like people are playing these games like in places that we wouldn't necessarily expect video games to be played if we're thinking about them as like consumers from a bygone era, like more people are playing phone games than, than anything else. Like people are just like playing these games on the, on the subway or whatever. Yeah. And Mia Farrow will like put out a tweet where she talks about how much she hates Donald Trump, but then caps it with also mentioning that mist from 1994 is the greatest video game on the computer. <laughs> Mia Farrow loves uh, being relevant. I think that's <laughs> Mia Farrow's big thing. And what, that, I, what hope, you I hope, I hope the Pharaohs are playing that new mist. Uh, that just came out. I think. Do, do you think they play it as a fa- as a family? It'd be nice. That's a nice thought. Solving the puzzles together. Here it's a little bit. I think here it's mixed up a little bit. Actually, no. I, I booted it up. As I here's my here's my process with every mist. I booted it up. To, were you about to lie about uh, playing the new mist and then decided? Well, to no, play? no. The thing is, like, you'll you'll understand right now why I was so trepidatious. But uh, I my process with mist. Is like, you know, I boot it up. I say, this all looks cool. I wander around that first island for like maybe seven minutes. Then I go, I mean, I don't get it. Do I, <laughs> do I already crack open like a YouTube tutorial or? Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. I, I've gotten to like the first puzzle and been like, ah, clocks. And then just like put a bunch of different probably- times in or something. <laughs> been like, did I beat mist? Um, this is how I ruined Silent Hill 2 for myself. Oh, and a lot um, of guides will say, like, get ready to break out a pencil and paper and start writing stuff down. And I'm like, oh, I've already looked at so many things. I didn't, write, I didn't fucking write down shit. Uh, I didn't break out a pencil and paper. It uh, <laughs> man. Um, yeah, no. I, I, you know what? This happened to me in, in like, I, I feel like I don't have enough respect for, for the kinds of puzzles that Myst uh, offers you. Like, when I was playing Silent Hill 2, there was a puzzle where you had to, like, do something. Again, with a clock, because I just think of all puzzle games as clock-based games. Um, prove me wrong, America. Uh, but the, um, the like, the, the funny thing was, like, I just, I decided that I would be, like, a real joker. And uh, 
and put in 9-11 as my answer. And it was correct. And uh, the, it all passed forward from there. And I was like, well, this game's stupid. It turns out it's like uh, the people love that game. Like, apparently it's very good. Well, um, I was in a Discord thread that was like talking about like why did kids like this game so much it's like completely obtuse and as i'm like wandering out this new version i'm just thinking like you know what kids love kids love buttons and levers and maybe they don't know what they do but you put a kid in a room with a bunch of buttons and levers and you call it a science center and that's like a thing they do for an entire saturday now nah, you're right kids love buttons and levers that's that's 100 true like i remember i remember as a kid just like thinking things like a Vandegraaff generator were the coolest possible things in the world because you touched them and something happened. Right. Um, or those, or those like uh, tourist trap shooting galleries with like a skeleton cowboy whose hat spins around if you shoot a little red dot. Yes, yes. You mean you mean the world's most perfect game? Yeah. Has no one has no one really created like a digital analog to that one yet? Well, I mean, there's always like uh, House of the Dead. Yeah, but they're they don't have cowboy hats that spin around if you shoot a little red dot. Well, that's true. Um, does that happen in Red Dead Redemption? Or a, or a little like squirrel that'll like spin round around if you shoot a little red dot. Yeah, that's here. Here's our answer to Red Dead Redemption: is it's Red Dead Redemption. It has all the gravitas of Red Dead Redemption, but every action sequence, you're like standing behind. <laughs> A countertop that like goes just above your knees, <laughs> and there's just a bunch of there's just a bunch of old Molson bottles. You can't and you can't and tax, too far away from where you're standing because and you're like not so much pa- sort of. taxidermied birds, but like birds made from like the feathers you'd get at a craft store. Uh, okay. and of course a piano, you know, a rocking chair. And you shoot them and you hope something happens. And when something doesn't happen, you, you don't know if you missed it or the mechanism's just broken. And that's that's our Red Dead Redemption. That's three. Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, that's Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. No, you you're absolutely right. Like, I think I think we finally have uh, cracked the code um, and those those bastards at Rockstar can't take this from us. This is going to be the game that kills Fortnite. <laughs> until until the uh, the. We sell out, and then the um, the the little lever uh, is put into Fortnite. Yeah. Oh, Fortnite starts adding little buttons and levers. You know, we're done. That's it's how done. they get. That's how they get back at us. Oh, it's over. Yeah, oh. I'm. i I'm gonna. I'm gonna just like go nuts. And those kids are gonna be pulling all those levers and pushing all those little buttons. Oh and maybe God. something happens, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. They just want to get their hands on those levers and those buttons. These kids are just sickos for levers, man. <laughs> Sick of these kids and their. Le- this is this is a this just is a this is a complaint podcast. Perverse. Now. It's perverse how much those kids love levers and buttons. Just just uh, it, as as the great Marge Simpson once said, uh, it's just not very wholesome. I'm gonna be yeah. I'm gonna. I mean, I don't even have kids, but I'm gonna be one of those weird uh, paternal crusaders who's like. I don't know what it is, but our kids are spending too much time having fun with levers and buttons that maybe do stuff. I mean, we have, yeah. I think I think video games. Absolutely I, correct. I think video games are a bad influence, but just missed and riven. <laughs> I don't Why like. Why can't we get I back don't, to lever? I don't like the idea of my do. children learning how to create linking ages books. 
I could be the father figure they trap in an <laughs> in a book that creates TV static. That could be me. <laughs> I don't I don't like my kids learning about conceptual realities and the connection between time and space. For me, why time is there a rocket ship here on this island? <laughs> this it sense of whimsy is simply distracting from the problems of this island, such as how does it have a, a reliable supply chain and what will you do for a job? A rocket ship and a pirate ship don't make a lick of sense. Why would they have both on the same island? Honestly, we're just creating a lot of solutions here, I think, too. Um, in, in the same vein as the uh, as the, the little cowboy shooter game. Yeah. The, the people outside we're, also agree. The, the, the best games possible. They've already, they, they were spelled out to us in the past, and no one's listening. You know, we just... <laughs> but cowboy but, shooting games and uh, and those those porno things that you could look at and, like, the when you... Like, oh, the little... When you, little, like, put the... Five yeah, cent peep shows. Yeah, when you looked close enough, it was a lady taking off her shirt. Yeah, or like a, or or in the in the more risque versions of like a lady who a, a gust of wind breezes her skirt up a little bit, and you catch a little bit of that uh, ankle. Whoa! How salacious! I thought you were gonna say that. Honestly, oh, literally, on, on. literally the word I thought you were gonna say was bush. Um, which I like, mean, like. I don't know, like, I don't know what that says like about from my a garden. <laughs> oh my, well, goodness. Um. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, like, so, 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 what? Like, I mean, like, so, so. There's the, there's the. I try to think of the best way to say this. There is a, like, a sort of like social interest in games for sure. Mm-hmm. Like. There's a there's a sense of like okay this is what you know games are important because in some ways uh, games are ubiquitous and I I agree with that actually you know it's not it's not untrue I'm not too I good mean to, if you think film is important if you think music is important I I wager to say that games are important in their unique way obviously but in in a similar fashion too but here's the question like. And and this is this is an unfair question, but I, I feel like I feel like we're friends enough that I can ask you an unfair question. Um, yes, I'll give you blood. Oh, Jesus thank Christ. you. It was a kidney, but you know I'll assume that it was a yes both ways. Um, you still got one to spare, right? I'll have to you, check. Did you give it to anyone else? Uh, you yeah, gotta was... be sure you didn't first. Don't get my hopes up. Let me check my Facebook memories. I think it'll <laughs> probably be in there. <laughs> um, no, no. But my question is. Uh, why write a magazine about video games then? Why do a zine about video games instead of film or literature or TV or, or any of the other myriad like social constructs that matter, um, but like perhaps matter in different ways? Like why why would you choose to to do what you're doing? Uh, with Funland specifically, like you know, I spent a lot of time growing up reading magazines like GamePro and EGM, so I have like a kind of brain cachet of what I enjoyed from them and what uh, what I got out of them. And when the pandemic sort of kicked up, I uh, hit up a lot of the gaming Alexandria and all their various uh, scans of uh, older magazines. And, uh, you know, it was, it was uh, really illuminating in a lot of ways. Like, hmm. one, the way they, like, tr- treated 
discuss, uh, discussions about games or like the way they talked about games, the way they presented them. Uh, I kind of really loved like, you know, the way that we consume information about video games, this idea that like you just have this like sprawling page of like quote unquote previews that are just like a brief paragraph of what they think a game is going to be about. And then a postage stamp size screenshot. It's like <laughs> too fuzzy to like, and like the UIs is, UI is on there too. So you're just kind of like squinting and trying to suss out what exactly you're looking at. <laughs> so cool. I can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait for whatever the hell this is. Um, but like, you know, as nostalgic as you can be about those magazines, there are a lot of problems. Uh, what? Very, very, you know, I know, right? A lot of, a lot of the like things you take umbrage about in gaming culture now, uh, the seeds of which are fairly obvious, uh, in the magazines back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, uh, you know, I think we've spoken about this before, but when EGM sort of had a soft reboot and we're publishing a lot of really good, uh, long, features and reported material that i mean we all know yes we all know the mistake they they had me write a they had me the black widow of of uh of journalism uh right all came crashing it's not great yeah it's uh but uh but just telling certain people especially people who like don't exactly keep tabs on sites like polygon and kotaku they're excited to hear that that came back and i just thought that was uh, a little interesting um, that there was some sort of emotional connection uh, that people had to these uh, bygone publications. So mm. um, the fact that those actual magazines, like in their heyday, weren't exactly uh, stellar began to feel like a problem that I could like solve, uh, mm-hmm. something I could tackle creatively. And that's right. like the kind of project I'd like to go at the most. Like I didn't want to just like make another game magazine. Uh, I kind of wanted to have like a specific set goal in mind. So I wanted to create something that sort of took a lot of structure and design elements, a lot of those nineties magazine. Cause like a lot of it feels very like outsidery and acid house in nature. And I just want to like, yeah, for sure. Subvert that to better purposes. So like a space better purposes than vaporwave. <laughs> well, no, 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 that's what I, I want. I want to keep, there's... I want to keep the acid house stuff, but I wanted to like, no, I was I was just I was making a joke about because like, vapor, vapor, <laughs> uh, vaporwave is is used so often for like weirdo fascists now. Is it? Yeah, oh, that's like the man. whole identity Europa thing. That like the they they do like the little you know the the staticky thing guy with the thing over his eyes. And it says I'm like, gonna I'm so afraid that if I like log off for a month or two, I'm gonna come back to find out like a cartoon character I loved as a child is now just like the new swastika. Yeah, like sorry. Miguel like Gorilla. Miguel Gorilla's whole thing now is that they've uh, somehow they somehow like appropriated cast with a friendly ghost or Gumby. He just says the fourteen words over and over and over again. It's real. It's rough. Miguel, um, no. <laughs> Could Miguel talk? Or am I thinking? Yeah, yeah, getting yeah. A, keep, I'm getting a mixed Miguel up. Gorilla Gorilla for sale. I'm getting a mix up with Grape Ape, aren't I? A Grape Ape cannot talk. Grape Ape cannot talk. I made a cocktail when I was younger called a grape ape. It was. Um, what did it, I wonder what it tasted like? Uh, wasn't well, yeah. Well, uh, it wasn't. It wasn't my most popular cocktail. I liked it, but it was. Um, it was scotch with uh, grape Kool Aid. Um, oh, mm. people! People! <laughs> mm. <laughs> people were not excited. 
Yummy. <laughs> it was fine. It tasted sort of like shoe leather. Not, uh, e- not like even grape. not even just like whiskey. You broke out the scotch for that. <laughs> I did. I did. I had a period of time where I thought I should like scotch. Um, and fortunately, it was before like like you could be like an epic Reddit guy because I'm old. So like I just bought some scotch and was like, I, liked, I drank all, right, all this scotch for nothing. I, <laughs> just, any, I drank all this scotch and discovered any upvotes or clout or nothing. I think I I discovered I think scotch is fine. <laughs> like it's, it's all right, whatever. Um, it tastes like shoe leather. Uh, I, you but, know we joke as I like look over to my liquor cabinet that's all scotch and one bottle of vodka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You 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 are George Thorogood. You have you have you have purchased one scotch, one bourbon, and one vodka. Um, I like my I like it. I like the stuff. I it's like, no, it's good. I like I like scotch. I just I, I it turned out that uh, I I was not I was not a bad enough dude to enjoy it uh, <laughs> as a casual, like as like my main drink. Mm. You know, like it, it wasn't it was not, it was not meant to be my main drink. Um, we, we don't talk too much about scotch in Funland, though, you know, sometimes the, night, the night, the night is young. Uh, um, so my, my question, my question about Funland, though, is like that all t- totally makes sense to me. And like, I think, you know, one of one of the things that I, I find interesting about that is, again, and this is this is like this, honestly, like, I think it I think it's a, I think it makes sense and, and could totally be defensible. So, again, not meant to sound like if this sounds like um patronizing i promise it is a legitimate question um like are you mostly interested in 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 pursuing these projects because they um had or have like an interesting um uh cultural impact that you want to chart or is it something innate to them like like if if in fact you were looking at those old magazines or like looking at old video games or, or something like that is would you would you still be interested even if it was like and people hated these things and no one read them like does is the cultural impact critical to the reason you uh you do this work i think the cultural impact is like kind of the scent that was in the air that led it, it was like that led it to me like okay like the bakery had its window open sort of deal and then i so, then i found someone out, had then i found someone where had the, the pie of cultural yeah, impact on the on the I, window so like yogi bear i just kind of hovered above the ground towards it and uh thought no one's looking and i'll have this tasty this, this, pastry this, treat this Whoa. podcast brought to you by hannah barbera yeah um, <laughs> you're big hannah barbera Catch guys jellystone right? on hbo max is that true yeah, it's a new show. Is They're, it any good? I've heard it. I've heard it's good. I don't get HBO Max in Canada, is it, so I hope, is you, it all, about, I hope you all enjoy it. Is it about? Uh, I think it's all the. I th- yeah, I think all the Hannah Barbera characters are now like voiced by like Paul F. Tompkins and Ron Funches, and oh, okay. they're all hanging out and having a great time. All right, it's fine. Yeah, I don't really have a lot oh, to say oh, about that. I don't think. Who likes video games? <laughs> Hey, boo boo. Like, you keep getting play, us back on track. Let's play, I like that. Let's play Halo. Uh, let's play Halo ODST. Boo boo. <laughs> I keep that's, getting needlers. That's uncanny. <laughs> it's a perfect impersonation of him. Yeah, he's, um, he's definitely you know one of the hardest hand of our pair of characters to do <laughs> the voice of. <laughs> ha cha cha boo boo. It's me, Yogi Bear. There was a. 
My friend got me like one of those like WWE Hanna Barbera tie-ins. I think it was like a mm-hmm. Flintstones one. Yeah, it was definitely a Flintstones one. And you know, like they had a decent Fred, but the guy playing Barney like sounded nothing like him, which was just weird because Barney's the easy voice to do. <laughs> yeah, right there. Yeah. You just did like right there. No, it's I not know, hard. It's, to, it's not hard to do Barney's. Barney, but this guy's like, "Hey, Fred, we have to go. <laughs> we gotta yeah, get out. Yeah, but do <laughs> we gotta get out of here, Fred?" I'm Every just, time I do a, a Fred Flintstone impression, I'm just doing the Fred Flintstone impression from uh, when Bart uh, claims. Yeah, but that I do. I like talking, talking to, to you. you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, like, so, like, that, that was the that was sort of the the scent in the air. Um, so, like, is there something about the subject that keeps you going? Because, like, I you know, like, there are a lot of people who will do stuff like that, and it will be ill fated because. You know, it'll be like, oh, I just like I got super excited about this thing. And it turns out like it sucks to write about like I hate doing it. Um, and the, the thing just just ends. But you're 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 getting close to your second your second uh, issue coming out. It's yeah. this, uh, I'm, I'm t- put it. I'm tinkering it all together. Yeah. The first issue, like. I don't know. I guess it landed well with people because uh, the reception it, was very strong. And yeah, it's great. It's you good. know, th- this thing ain't paying for any bills, but uh, it pays for itself quite well. Um which is very good and makes me feel go. good about that kind of like, I don't know, webzine model of publishing. It feels like, you know, I, I, I'm a humble fella. I don't have like the biggest online clout in the world, but if it worked for me, it feels like something that could scale up very nicely. Mm-hmm. It's like, is the, is the work of it like? Is it more about the subject matter or more about the platform for you? The platform being like, like the being like a zine, like like the idea of sort of um, being able to do something that is like along the lines of a, of a journalism that a lot of people think is dead. I think by going with this kind of like directly funded zine. Uh, format it enables you it like liberates you to cover things that get zero traction in a sort of traditional digital publishing model like we have we have a piece uh from lana polanski in the upcoming issue oh friend about, of the show lana polanski yeah yeah all about, right about the catamites uh and kind of the the aesthetics of uh literally of game just- archival work just talked. Just did an episode with uh, with Alex Deegan, who I know has art coming. Uh, yes, yes, that's in <laughs> many friends. Uh, Funland too. S- certainly, plenty friends of the show will be. Yeah, uh, um, I I'm starting to wonder how much you stole from me. <laughs> just, that'd be a that'd be a weird. Sh- bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just like I got really mad at you. <laughs> this was you, my so, thing. Somehow you have a piece in there. You don't even remember. <laughs> it's like, God. <laughs> This is my best work. How did I do this? Um, but uh, you just like you're just like some sort of '60s Batman villain who is like like the the original Mad Hatter who put like computer chips in people's hats. Um, but yeah, like I think I think the um, like. Uh, but what I was gonna say was also the second episode in a row that the Catamites came up. Um, but like I I find that I find this all very interesting because it's like it there is a sense that like it could video games sort of occupy a, a like an important space for you but it's also a space that you know ostensibly could be occupied by uh, you know music or whatever right like you could have you could have decided to do a different kind of zine 
Um, and it I could I, yeah, I could have decided to be a different kind of obnoxious guy and but like, is, make, is it, make YouTube videos about music I think is good or bad. Does it does it relate to the kind of obnoxious guy you are? Like, is that is that like why you're doing video games? Because like they are in a, sort of probably in a, from probably your, in a podcast person? in a podcast setting. You know, I I talk a tolerable amount of uh, conversation about video games and pinball and Universal <laughs> Studios Orlando. But perhaps if you were like in a party setting with me over the span of like three or so hours, maybe it would get a little old or something. Okay. It's no, it makes sense. I'm sure. I'm sure I have many uh, friends and confidants who see me as the video game one. Uh, For, former paramours, yeah. Who 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 are thinking of many, just many, now? Many a second cousin and uh, distant aunt who still will see me at some family the first family function in like seven years, and it's like, oh, you're the one who liked Japanese animation. And I'm like. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> Yet I still do. Yeah, I'll <laughs> Um okay. Yeah, so I mean do you do you ever like um does the does this appreciation of video games ever sort of um fall into like a question of like okay, so like why why do this? Like why why this particular thing? Should I you know, is is like, is this the the best way to spend sort of my cultural cachet, or is it just like, is it is it not that deep for you? It can be not I that th- deep for you. I think That's perfectly reasonable. I know, like if we're talking about like video games at large, like I can't just say the word video game and have like the most sophisticated thoughts in the world. But the moment I like start thinking yeah. hard about a particular video game, then the conversation kind of shifts a little bit. I think if you if you just want to talk about you know, uppercase video game, uh, you're bound to bump into like some diatribe. It's like a little rote, a little grandiose, a little Ted talky. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm not motivated by just like breaking down what, uh, what is, what doth video game. Uh, I think that can be a little, you know, I'm sure some people, you know, a talented writer who is passionate about breaking that down. But I think we're, we're just, you don't you don't beyond like AMC theaters pre-show. You don't really hear much about <laughs> of people like trying to figure out what, what is the true magic of cinema? <laughs> wow. Some real, some real harsh, harsh realities about the AMC pre-show uh, <laughs> happening right here that I don't, I don't know if I'm comfortable with. Um, no, I, I can understand that. So, like, I, I, I guess then, like, the the question then kind of shifts for me to be about, like, is there something, like, important about just, like, writing about media and, like, thinking about media um, to you that, like, is, like, you know, a, a, a kind of, like, if not, if not, like, a, a prime, a prime, like, uh, uh, directive to be, like, you know, Gene Roddenberry-ish about it. Uh, maybe not that, but maybe like some sort of like um, I don't know something something to be desired or something to be wished, like a a certain kind of like urging uh, that is not just like you know, uh, well I do this for fun, but you actually are sort of like doing it because on some level you feel you have to do it. Uh, I mean I certainly don't have to do it. There's. <laughs> uh... <laughs> 
I could I could just do warehouse shifts for the rest of my life. You'll never hear about me again. But I well, I'm not like, and I'm not I'm not saying like, oh, why is this your calling? But more more so like, you know, like none of this stuff is particularly easy or um, convenient to do. Like especially like a lot of video games. I mean, we were talking previously about some video games that we'll we'll have you like talk about in a second. But like um, one of them, you had to like cross town to like to play, and because you were reviewing reviewing it and like thankfully it was a very good game so I didn't right 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 like a, a total tool but there's uh, like there, there's part of it right like you, it was a good game so it felt okay like that that seems to me like not not like you know in the in the sort of like cheesy raison d'etre sort of way but like in fact like a you know this makes me feel good and is a part of my my personality that like makes me feel some sort of sense of completion one way or the other um, yeah, which you could like say the same thing about cigarettes, right? But like <laughs> that, like games, games do that for you. Like, what, what is it? Like, why, why do they, why do they have that? Do, do you have any like sort of inkling as to like why they they hold that position for you? Like, why they can sort of like compel you in that way? Um, they like if you're gonna contrast it with like music and and film. And whatnot. I do love like, you know, having a world to sort of crack open and explore on my own terms, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, you could break Hell, the game. Hellraiser Two is a lot worse than Hellraiser One, but I do love that they decided to, like make a big show out of like the world building, mm. and like that in and of itself is what makes Hellraiser Two like a pretty fun little jaunt, even if it's not nearly as tight or as gothic. As the first one, because you it get to have, it doesn't have that lady in it that is like not really like sort of sort of like repellent, but like also every single man in the movie just immediately wants her. No, she's in the second one. She is. OK. Yeah. And then she, I, it's, she been, it's been ages. I've watched the first one a million times, but uh, the second one's like time. a direct sequel to the first one. And after that, it kind of goes off the rails and you have guys shooting CDs out of their mouth. But um, <laughs> I know someone who really likes that guy. Um I don't know. I love it's, the CD shooting Cenobite. What a what a unique, what a unique approach for a sadist demon. Um, <laughs> who knows what music they're playing in their head? <laughs> hey, if it's about sadism, it's probably uh, forget Justin Bieber. Hey, oh wow! Take, <laughs> yes, take that, take that little little pipsqueak down a peg. Why don't you? Um, I will. But yeah, no, like. I do like, you know, people gush over a game like Breath of the Wild, even though so much of it is empty because it's uh, it, it is a sort of a captivating way to explore a space that does that a fantastical space uh, that doth not exist. And um, and I do feel pretty enriched by that, even if it is like constructed and done to be uh developed to be explored in that way it's just you know movies are by design music is by design and we all uh immerse ourselves in them in different way and and return from them with our own sort of personalized fulfillments um and dang you know walking around those worlds and psychonauts too it feels great they put a you know, don't they kept at 
uh, Double Fine kept asking for money, and they friggin' used it. <laughs> they they used kept asking money. you for money? Well, they, they, they crowdsourced, like, what, twice for this one? And people are like... They were just they were just emailing you like the uh, like the Democrats do. Like, Zach, we asked you several times. I'm uh, Canadian, thank you. Well, no, they they the Democrats can email whoever they want. It's part of the Constitution. Oh, I don't know. Wow, they really they, thought they really thought ahead with that document. Yeah, they could email any. <laughs> no, it's, it's in there. It's in the original part. The founders the founders were obsessed with the idea of email. <laughs> Benjamin Franklin himself was that's, was, where, was that's where those AOL CDs came from. It's like that, that's that's correct. And like Ben Franklin himself uh, was obsessed with the idea of um, of like uh, what what he called a porno to uh, to 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 eclipse all pornos. Um, it's a real horn dog and uh, and and a proper legend. And that's why America's so great, you know. <laughs> That's how you but stand no, I, the test. Of, that's you got to have some geniuses like that putting the whole, the whole circus together, and you're gonna. He's putting, he put in the work. Yeah. Um, he he listened. He he heard people, and he 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 was better. Um, actually, I don't think he was. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. Um, the the um, like yeah. So talk to me about talk to me about the world building in Psychonauts too, because that was one of the games that we were we were planning on talking about. Um. It's and like, I'm, it is not a game I've played yet. Did you you played the first one though? Yeah, uh, I never finished it, but yes. Yeah, so uh, that's that's good enough. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> with with oh, Double Fine, like you know, they love being sort of like quirky and inventive and high concept in a lot of things that they do. But so many of their games feel like really shy of greatness. Like. Mm-hmm. The something about the high concept stretch them a little thin or or, you know, as as creative as they were with like world building, like how you go around it uh, wasn't really fleshed out. If you played Brutal Legend, like it's a really fun game. You drive around, you bop baddies over the head and then like four or five hours in, they drop it on you that it's actually got like a real time strategy component that is just not <laughs> compelling at all. <laughs> and you're like, all right. And then they're like, yeah, the game's about this. Now you got to develop an army. It's like, okay, so how do you play it? Well, you, you tell your soldiers to go over there while you drive around in a car and bop other baddies. Over there. That's not a very interesting real time strategy game. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what you're playing now, buddy. Anyways, <laughs> That, Enjoy. That, that is to say, that is to say, uh, liking Double Fine can be a real hit and miss experience. I know a lot of their games have been pretty small, but it still just feels like uh, they didn't. They they're so good at so many things, and then they like commit themselves to doing something that they're just not that good at. Yeah, um, that's not really happening in Psychonauts Two. I think Psychonauts Two is gonna crystallize. Uh, exactly what they're good at and they really just double down on it um, nice they're good at like quirky writing and strange worlds and like high concept scenarios and and they took their whole team and these you know the money that they raised and they're like we gotta manifest it in like the most bizarre detail like Everywhere you go in this game, it's it's pretty memorable. 
Um, hmm. The first level um, is one of the most like repulsive and grotesque things. That's what I've, I've heard. Every realize. single person has ever like who's played this game is just like the first level grossed me out so much. It's so it's, great. It's so great. It, the the there's a commitment to like gross out humor in this that like we haven't seen since I don't know like I want to say Conquer's Bad Fur Day, but it feels even more specific to like Earthworm Jim style gross out <laughs> humor, <laughs> like that kind of like hyper vivid detail on it. Because, like, that's not, like, the, the first level is not the only one that's, like, cool, gross, cool. Um, yeah. There's another level that, like, takes place inside of a moldy bowling shoe. Oh. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. And, like, because, like, all the, like, main levels take place in, like, the mindscape of someone, there there's, like, a sort of dream logic to how things play out. The stage will, like begin as some sort of like broad representation of that person's uh mentality and then you like tinker with something or you provoke their mind in a certain way and and not unlike a dream or a nightmare the the environment will rapidly cha- transform around you into something else mm. um so like one of the early stages like uh, you're in the mind of someone who's like very clinical who's like very high strung uh, and their brain operates like a hospital because uh, okay. they, they used yeah. to, they used to be a doctor. So it's, it's very organized, very neat, very sort of costs uh, assessment oriented. Uh, you rewire their brain in hopes of making them, you know, a little bit a little cooler, a little cooler, a little, little more, a little less risk aversive. And you accidentally turn them into a gambling addict. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole world then flips into like it's a hospital, but it's a ga- it's a casino hospital, <laughs> and everything like in the hospital is like cross referenced through some sort of gambling uh, um, allegory. Like the maternity ward, the maternity ward has like a giant roulette wheel. And all these couples are just like standing around hoping they get the baby. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like that's that's just like it's. I guess one of the things that that makes me think of is like how in like uh, like playing a game and watching like a world someone's created is one of like the only times where you can sort of uh, feel the the like embodiment of a place. Um, while it's like while it's being described to you like that could happen in in novels and film and stuff like that but there's there's you know part of like the the embedded artistry in like writing and film is that you know you're you're creating a space whereas in video games it's much more like you are experiencing the space along with the characters in a way like it you know it's it's a it's a sort of immediacy that is that is not really doable with any other genre and that is the thing that like these folks in Double Fine, that's what they really excel at. And they make it just like a total delight uh, throughout this game. Um, as far as like the plot and the writing goes, like they're not like, they're they're not like going to revolutionize much. It's a, it's a charming story. It's good. It's good stuff. Um, I think I love this sort of undercurrents of it more than the sort of surface level presentation of the story. 
Sure. Uh, your main character, Raz, he kind of like takes a back seat plot wise as the game becomes more about the founders of the Psychonauts. Oh, and how and how like they screwed up and now they're why they're all like these broken people uh, that you have to sort of come to the rescue of. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, no, I like that. Yeah. And there's like, you know, I don't want to project too much on like Tim Schafer and other LucasArts people, but there's this sort of weird feeling about all of it that I'd like to explore a, a little deeper if given the opportunity. But they they sort of so the psychonauts now they're kind of like this bureau of psychics right and, and yes. raz views them as like basically the avengers the x-men or something but as you go back through the timeline of like the inception of the psychonauts you sort of discover that it was uh, in its earliest days it was actually more of like a 60s counterculture thing like just <laughs> okay. these just this like small group of like day trippers who who like really want to just expand their mind in a very scientific way so you know basically just like meditate with each other uh they don't say they did drugs outright but i think sure yeah but i think there's some heavy-handed imagery there's some Uh, implications there's some implications you play look you play as a a teenage boy who doesn't quite understand Uh, what these giant jawbreaker candies uh, that he's flinging into these tasty licking mouths might be. Um, hey, look, they could be anything. Maybe be anything. maybe the founders of the Psychonauts loved candy. They I know love, I do. Mm, I, hey, this is this is a good this is a safe space for candy, you know, I uh, hope so. And eating it and appreciating tasty, yummy candy. Um, mm. But yeah. So Candy, have you tried it lately? So there so you you kinda learn that like the psychonauts in its infancy was just like, you know, they were just sort of goofing around, right? They're they 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 love the idea of like exploring their brains and rewiring them and seeing what they can do in that mental space. And then the real world kind of crashes in on like it drops on them and they their ambitions sort of pivot towards like, you know, helping the world and global peace and a little bit more Mm -hmm. of the geopolitical spectrum and it backfires completely. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) It completely, it completely backfires and like basically destroys them. Okay. Uh, And you can't help, but like think not only of like the actual sixties counterculture movement, which, you know, that's definitely not, not, not to be too, not to be the biggest hippie basher in the world, but I think one of our the biggest the bigger failures of the century, uh, who just thought you know through sex, drugs, and rock and roll we could just sort of muscle world peace everywhere. When when in fact in reality you know uh, those three things have no inherent political affiliations. Everyone can love sex, drugs, rock and roll, and still be a huge asshole. It's true. I mean, this is like this is like the you know who was it? Like Stephen Miller or whatever really liked uh, Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, or like yeah, it's just so, like, something like that where like Rage Against the Machine was like, "We hate you." And it's like, I'm glad they said that. Like that's that's good and all, but like, and that doesn't pr- really change anything about. <laughs> that's probably why people like affiliate like Charles Manson as like the end of the hippies because he liked all the hippie shit except. He interpreted it as like grounds to try to start a global race war. Yeah. 
Right. Exactly. It's 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 the it's the I mean, and that's sort of like that's something that is kind of interesting thinking about Psychonauts where like, um, you know, the the whole point about Psychonauts, too, sounds like um, this like this kind of just, you know, uh, way of thinking about um, interpretation and, and how like different interpretations or different sort of intentions can be taken different ways and how like, you know, like a particular reading of a situation could be undercut. But like also that you're you're experiencing that, of course, within the video game itself. But then also like the the fact is the world you're experiencing is the world you're experiencing. Like there's no way to undercut. There's no way to sort of like make you second guess that unless like that's the intention. Right. Like the the sort of like embodied world of the game is just kind of like what it is. It's just it's fun. It's it's you know, it's interesting. It's 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 that whereas like the intentions of the people who have like created it within the game world itself um, can be in fact, like very much uh, at, at issue. I think, um, and, and, and this is where I want to like quickly like scoot back to like, I don't want to project too much on Tim Shea for a double fine, but I do think like when you're thinking about like the failure of the hippies and, and their counterculture movement, I think every subculture and counterculture experiences some similar kind of, uh, collapse like oh for sure even even like in the video game uh culture like i feel like in the earlier or mid 2000s it felt like we were part of this generally progressive movement to like sort of redefine this as a medium for art and technology and exploration and intimacy and, and what could be done with this kind of like virtual landscape and, you know, we fought back against like, you know, we we, fought, we thought ourselves as like crusaders against like gatekeepers and and commercial and conventional critics and like particular weirdo attorneys out of Florida. And, you know, <laughs> as, as the decade goes by, like suddenly all of this momentum shifts its heels. And now video games are like the most persuasive gateway for like a reactionary right who dedicate themselves to to harming human rights at all hours of the day you know uh, sure and like there's a there's a a certain kind of like i don't want to say a lesson but like there's a certain kind of um mindset you have to take in in thinking about counterculture where we're in like it it is a um i don't know like it, it is something that often will be co-opted such that like all you really have left um, after it is co-opted is like the sense of um, peace it has given you or like what you make of it effectively, right? Like what, what, what it has meant to you, what, what you personally can take from it. Um, and that's often just like cold comfort, but like, I think what's, what's fascinating about that conceptually is like, you know, thinking about a game that has failed or thinking about a game that has like, you know, uh, disappointed you or something like that, but still provided something compelling on, on a particular level, you get that again, right? Like the idea might fail. The idea might be completely untenable or uninteresting. Mm -hmm. Um, but then at its core, you still have the sense of like, well, like there was something kind of cool there that is worth like grabbing onto or something that like might suggest a sort of like, um, I don't know, like might suggest a kind of, uh, uh, value, even if like the message itself is, is found to be like 
you know, worthless. What was that magazine like earlier this week that created all this brouhaha because the uh, poetry editor basically tweeted like, you know, I don't think poetry is going to change the world. Uh, <laughs> and then they got fired for it. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think like, you know, it's it's healthy to acknowledge that like as passionate as you are about something in your own corner of uh, of art, um, that there are that that your your chosen passions do probably do not have like any inherent goodness within it, right? For sure, like, exactly. We, can, we yes. can we can love video games. We can try to uh, push the people who make them or the future creators to make games with better morality or at least more diverse morality and have better messaging. But that's you know how much that's going to tip the needle. Uh, on the planet, um, <laughs> you know, uh, you you can try to make the next Call of Duty have better politics somehow. You can try to say like, make it less. Of you could a, try a, a to pro- do that. You could right. you could try to make it less of a propaganda vehicle for war. But I think at the end of the day, that's not why most people are playing it. You know, yeah, even well, even I- even like the Olympics. Is like a huge piece of uh, aggrandized propaganda for all sorts of things. That's not that's not really the takeaway. And I'm not saying like that that means the propaganda isn't working, but it just um, means that people aren't like. I, I agree with you. Like I think it's it it becomes like fairly clear that like it's if if in fact like you're you're perceiving propaganda there that is totally you know valid or, or whatever. But like. Also, the concept of manufacturing consent or or getting people invested in, you know, one thing or the other about like the, um, you know, I, I guess like what what, what what we say here, like the, uh, I don't know, I don't know how to say it, like um, cr- cr- making making video games better in their content, uh, you know, that's good, and it's gonna make mm-hmm, people feel mm-hmm. better. It's gonna make a lot of people feel better, and, and if you're pleased with that. If you're ple- if you're if you're if you're content, if you're fulfilled by the fact that you are touching particular people with with these these works you're creating, then that's good. But do not expect uh, a revolution out of right. out of art. You know, like right, yeah. Stephen Miller like- listened to Rage Against the Machine, which is you you could not be more direct. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With, with you could with your polemics. that's the lesson. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. If you wrote that in a book, it would be yeah, you'd be you'd be correctly uh, lambasted as like writing something you know too on the nose. But yeah, no, that's 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 absolutely it. Like even it it's true for you know the bad side and the good side, where like you know people aren't aren't playing Call of Duty necessarily to um, to get like really into uh, you know war. But it, it's also not untrue that people playing Call of Duty might also have, like, a fairly, um, you know, uh, uh, sanguine view of war. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, those those things aren't disconnected, but they're not nearly as, like, intimately connected as we want them to be or, or hope they will be. They're not causal, um, which makes it tricky. Mm-hmm. And this, like, you know... The, the 60s counterculture is what makes this an interesting sort of case study and, and thing to cross over because, you know, they thought all it took would be music. You sing a bunch of songs about peace. You sing a bunch of songs about love. 
And that will just implant in everyone's brain that they got to be better people. Didn't work. Not even close. Not, not really. Not no. even close. And then like what what a surge of, you know, a movement, a surge of art that was all on the same page. We got to end war. We got to we got to make people love each other a lot more. And a lot of the people who listen to that music and love that music total assholes you know well i mean especially a lot of people who wrote it my god like yeah. you know like john lennon's gonna tell you to be like a nicer person yeah yeah shut Come up on. shut up ding dong so yeah, like I, who are you so i guess like you know and we, we we keep seeing little examples of this where like people get so invested in video games having better messages and better content not not that it isn't worth it but uh like certainly with that uh boyfriend dungeon thing you can sometimes see your own sort of subculture meltdown into something monstrous yeah no for sure i think yeah that that's interesting because like it is it is absolutely true that the 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 sort of search for better content or like uh, more acceptable gaming or whatever, right, um, is something that we're all kind of interested in. But then you also see, like, how it gets, how it becomes its own sort of uh, box-checking exercise. Um, Boyfriend Dungeon is an excellent example. And, like, the the one I saw today was, like, I guess the new Life is Strange game said, like, they were going to ha- tackle, um, you know, uh, racial otherness in, in, in the game. And, like, the review I saw was like, well, mainly all it did was like make its protagonist Asian. Like without, that's, that's not sufficient. And like, it's like, no, it's not, but that's also probably sufficient for them to, uh, to score a few uh, quick buys, uh, from, from like people who now are content with it. Right. Like, it's not, it's not as if like what they're hoping for is, um, an actual solution to this. What they're hoping for is that the Square Enix is hoping for is that you'll buy the game. Um, I was really for, worried that the uh, the the boyfriend dungeon for Caucus was gonna was like all foreshadowing to what the launch for Psychonauts might be like. Um, mm, yeah, but uh, it turned out no, and I, I do I do wonder about that. I wonder if it's just like certain expectations of like boyfriend dungeon set up as just being a more queer oriented game um but psychonauts does like include elements of like panic attacks and addiction and depression and all that but it incorporates them in such alien and at times jg Ballardian fashions <laughs> that like it doesn't really feel like you can look to these for like lessons in the real world anymore fair enough (laughs) like again like people will have you know people have addictive personalities and have trouble with gambling it usually isn't because a little a little preteen boy was hopping around in their brain uh rewiring their synapses so i mean that's why i have a problem with gambling personally well you shouldn't let that little that that teenage boy you know i put his magical door on your forehead that was your mistake well you know, way to blame the victim here. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think you're right. Like, and I think, you know, like actually sort of to the point of, of your, of the other game you wanted to talk about, there's something like that actually is true about like the reception to no more heroes three. That seems closer to the reception that we were expecting for like psychonauts, which is like, or that you were expecting for psychonauts there, which is like, 
it is it is a reception that is like very much saying, hey, like um, I don't I don't like this game. And the reason I don't like this game is because it's doing exactly what it said it would. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, it, it is. It's so funny that the major criticisms of No More Hero 3 are identical <laughs> to the first one, <laughs> at which point you just have to say, I think that's intentional. Then it's not. You're just you just don't like what they did. It's not like could be this game isn't for you. Yeah, <laughs> it's not even like not even a not for you thing. It's just like those aren't failures. Those are just things that rub you the wrong way. Right, like, right, right. Yeah, and I think like you know like the 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 way that something like Psychonauts is given a little more grace than No More Heroes is interesting. I wonder how much that has to do with. Um, the way that a game like Psychonauts um, existed for people um, when they were growing up, as opposed to No More Heroes, which is m- you know much much more contemporary. Mm. Um, I don't know. It's no, I I really enjoy No More Heroes. I haven't quite beaten it yet, but um, I think. Again, how how Psychonauts two sort of crystallizes what Double Fine is good at and what they set out to do, uh, and how they can do that with like new technology and 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 a budget that's allocated to them. Uh, so too does No More Heroes three do that for Suda fifty one. But it's the, his definition of what you do with those resources and what you do with better technology is so completely different. Um, yes. Yes. It is completely yes. different. He is thinking about different things. You tell him that a new machine has better processing power and can have more stuff in it. When he thinks about more stuff, he's not thinking about like graphics and fidelity. He's he's just thinking about like more stuff. You know, I can put more stuff into this game. <laughs> there's gonna right. be more things to look at, and there's gonna be more fonts. And, and UI and, and just like weird zine like bric a brac and animations that I, you can just, you, I could just drop in there like a penny into a wishing fountain. You know, it's uh, it's it's very revealing of like what he's always wanted to do with this series in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, this like like how Psychonauts 2 feels like the fully realized Psychonauts experience. Um no More Heroes 3 feels like the fully realized No More Heroes experience, and that still means that the overworlds look like dog shit. Right, yeah, absolutely. And like if they didn't look like dog shit, it would be it would not like it would not feel right. Mm-hmm. And um, but it, as far as like people who are like, well, if the game sucks, then why am I gonna play it? It doesn't suck. Because first, like while the overworld uh exploration is nothing special, uh I think Suda51, he did make the combat way more fun. Mm. The combat is way more fluid now. Cause like, you know, most of this game is just about the fighting. And he made that yeah, fighting sure. he made that fighting good. And everything that maybe felt a little stiff or wonky in the combat before, it flows really nice now. Even even recharging your beam sword uh from time wow. to time. It, yeah, it, it sort of, it gels nicely. Uh, and you, I, and you get these like you're 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 confronted by all these strange alien enemies and they all do these weird and different things and 
they sort of come at you in different configurations and you as the player have to like start doing the calculus on how what the best way to use your like death chip arts and your power-ups and moves to use on them and navigate around them without getting overwhelmed by them and that's it makes the game like that's a genuinely fun and interesting way to play this game uh and I think, like, to kind of go back to your to your point about, like, some of the stuff people are complaining about not being, in fact, like, a bug, but uh, intentional, is, like, this this question of the overworld looking bad. Like, I, I think about, like, the Shin Megami Tensei games, for instance, where, mm-hmm. like, especially Nocturne, where the, you know, the overworld is is just you, uh, you're a little diamond, and you're, like, walking around. Like, you're... <laughs> It doesn't look good. It there's there's nothing good about the either the way the overworld looks in in Shimagami Tensei Nocturne. But like, also, I don't think I'd want the overworld to look any different. The, the um, when when the first No More Heroes came out, like it was in the wake of like Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, right? Sure. And suddenly these like sandbox open worlds that were so popular with developers in the West uh, were sort of being forced upon or implemented in you know places like japan i don't want to say the whole country doesn't have or like those design sensibilities but it sure felt like it (laughs) sure felt like sure felt like it wasn't their favorite kind of thing to do and and no more heroes was like the most sort of like uh sort like facetious response to that it's like well if i have to make a big open world with dumb shit to do and then i'm gonna be like I'm, I'm going to make it stupid. I'm going to make it stupid. I'm going to make it ugly. I'm going to make the car control like a bumper car. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make all like the little extra things you do, like mowing the lawn and playing with cats and picking up garbage. Cause like, who cares? Like, no, it's all like little stupid distractions that pad out the whole game. Anyways, why does it have to, why does it have to be cool? Well, it reminds me of like, of like the way I felt, first learning about WarioWare and then like when I finally got WarioWare like understood it like I was like oh this game is about just making dumb stuff like this the the whole the whole like reason this game exists is because like it's fun to do dumb things sometimes mm-hmm. um and like I think like that's that's something that that happens in No More Heroes as well where like and like that can you know people I'm sure people can like find the whole Travis touchdown thing a little you know not compelling or, or whatever. Like I think there are like legitimate things that people dislike about, about no more heroes too, but like the, or no more heroes also, but the, you know, the, the, like the, the thing of the, the kind of like idea of, yeah, you know, it's so annoying that like, this doesn't, this doesn't like, this isn't being serious enough is like a very weird, uh, very weird critique to level against it. So, so Suda, like with no more heroes, he wanted to make like the punk version of gaming, right? Like, he wanted he wanted to make a game that's sort of like garish and gaudy and decadent, but also like against a lot of conventions. And perhaps the biggest conventions that the game has always been about against is giving you a main character who is cool. No, yeah. <laughs> Travis Touchdown is the biggest loser I think you've ever played as in a series of ongoing video games. He's such he's such a wiener. Like the first, the entire first game is about a guy who buys a lightsaber on eBay and he doesn't have any money anymore, but he finds out that like, if he becomes a top killer, he'll have some 
money to spend. He'll have some disposable income <laughs> to buy more anime figurines and he might get laid. And in spite of all things, um, in spite of like how surface level that all is, he kind of ends up with a character arc by the third game. <laughs> Which like, is great. So, so, you know, that first game, you know, it's all about him desperate to get laid. And now in this third game, he, he spends a lot of it paranoid that he actually did. Like, he, he doesn't seem certain if he actually did um, have sex with that Sylvia character. <laughs> and he's he's constantly like trying to get her attention and like, clarify because like he's worried, you know, he's having some anxieties uh, <laughs> surrounding that. Uh, he's right. also like generally mellowed out like he's not trying to be like the world's greatest killer anymore. All he wants to do is like hang out and get high and talk about movies. Uh, there's like this like ongoing again to like to like hammer into that punk aesthetic and just being against certain conventions. So much of the game is just watching Travis touchdown, hanging out with the guy from the local video store, talking about Takashi Miike movies. Yeah. And for whatever reason, whenever they mention like an existing person or film or television show, they like censor the text of it, but they still say it out loud. And I don't know if it's like they're worried about any sort of like litigation or, you know, they was, to, talking, or they want you to. Or they want you to think with, uh, that, they, that they're worried about some form of litigation. Yeah, I was talking about this with Deegan actually. This this exact thing, and like it seems it, from what he was saying, the apparently like it is actually like I don't know Japanese laws on that are are a little weird, or maybe it was it was either that or it was uh it was either Deegan or Graham, but like. Like the 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 apparently that is like a reaction to like existing laws, existing IP laws. So they can say um, them out loud, but they cannot write down like Takashi Miike. They have to. <laughs> they just have to like put a bunch of stars in. Very there. strange, yeah. <laughs> but again, it's um, like it's just like it's just this other little detail that like sticks out like a thumb to you in the game that is so good at constantly doing that. Another extremely surreal thing, and again, I haven't beaten it yet, so maybe it reveal some greater purpose but the entire game is like the framing of it is you're watching an anime on netflix <laughs> and and between each chapter you get that kind of like netflix boot up screen with like the skip intro thing in the bottom corner and a boot up noise that sounds so close so close to the actual netflix like startup noise that i had to hear wow. like four times before I could say it was actually different. <laughs> Again, like, yeah, just like just leaning super close into the into the idea of uh, of, you know, copyright infringement and then mm -hmm. just like shying away at the last second. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I think like, you know, one of the things that Psychonauts and 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 No More Heroes have and I think like you've you've, you've essentially said this and I'm just going to I'm going to repeat it uh, less interestingly um, is uh, like one of the things that they have in common is this is this point that like they they represent like a uh, like a specific and very particular worldview. Right. Like it's not it's not as if um, it's not as if like the the um, the games are you know, going for the same stuff a lot of games are going for. It's not like you wouldn't you wouldn't mistake either one as like a typical AAA game uh, because they're like they're they're trying for something specific and they have a particular voice. And while that voice might not always be compelling to everyone, it is like a very sort of like it is it is like 
you know, necessary to what they do. Both um, both of these games are sequels to games that started when mid-budget games still existed. Okay, yeah, there you go. <laughs> and and that's plain as day. Like I think in the mentality of a lot of people in the games world, indie games have basically filled the void that mid-budget games had. And playing through these two games is like, no, they didn't. Uh, yeah, absolutely. M- money actually does things uh, with gaming, and it's not. That's not saying like the creativity or the scope of any indie gamer, of any any indie game designer is limited. But there is a reality that the more resources you have, the more you can sort of manifest in your game. And in Psychonauts, it means like creating these extremely vivid and detailed and decadent worlds and uh in no more heroes case it means like hiring literally every artist you like (laughs) to create (laughs) cartoons or character designs um to to scatter throughout your like maximalist uh project and i think some like i'm sure we've all had like these sort of moments where we're like watching showcases of like indie games one after another and we get this like weird pit in our stomach of like am i not interested in indie games anymore they're just feeling a little like samey to me now like they all they're feeling i feel like i'm watching the same thing over and over again i don't it's not it doesn't have to do with their creativity they're just like they're all using the same tools you know yeah (laughs) that's perfectly reasonable yeah they're all they're all they have similar houses because they're all buying the same from the same store um a lot of them are pixel games a lot of them are low are low poly uh it's because and that's because uh game designers still have uh sort of like heteronormativity and uh and are pretty like interested in 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 typical relationships that's not like necessarily a bad thing but uh uh it's like you know it does limit uh, some creativity here and there. Waka waka. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, the like seven poly po- a podcast listeners are like losing it at this. They're feeling so included. You you def if you if you do have a ingenuitive creative spark, you know certainly you can still make yourself stand out from the pack. But the the resources to make these games has a huge impact on it, and the the type of game that we used to get all the time, the kind of games would create, you know, a Psychonauts or No More Hero or a Katamari Damacy or, you know, even a Silent Hill. The That scope of games, they don't invest in it anymore. It's like the same in movies. You either make a low-budget, um, six-figure indie film or right. you're making a movie for Marvel or Warner Brothers that costs upwards of $300 million. And there was that Sony exec just like a few days ago who was like, yeah, I think the average AAA game is just going to start costing $200 million to make. Uh, And it's like, yeah, probably. That's probably where we're going. Um, It would be great if we had something in between. And that Psychonauts 2 and No More Heroes 3 feels so refreshing. It's like, it does feel like a window into a better world where those mid-budget games exist. Someone yeah. on Twitter said, like, well, Psychonauts 2 still costs, like, $15 million. Is that mid-budget? And I'm thinking, absolutely, that's mid-budget. Well, yeah. When, if, if, if maxi-budget is $200 million, yes, it's mid-budget. Yeah, that's mid-budget. Uh, 
it is between, you know, needing $80,000 to make a game and yeah, like, and $200 million to make a game. Yeah, like Scrooge, like thinking, I'm, I don't know why Scrooge was the one that came to mind, but they, <laughs> you know, classic mid budget uh, masterpiece Scrooge. Um, but like, you know, like mid budget movies are cheap. They, they cost millions of dollars to make. Yeah, they, it's, a mid-budget film is like anywhere between $5 million and $20 million, right? Right. Um, that's how, like, and people are like, that sounds like a lot of money. Like, yeah, it is a lot of money. But movies cost a lot of money to make, it turns out. A lot of a lot of hands are involved. A lot of people. Uh, Many hands make expensive work, as yeah. the old proverb goes. Except the thing is now is like, they're not, they're they're like, they're very stubborn to even spend $20 million on a movie. They want to spend that $200 million on right. a movie. Cause they want, well, yeah, that's where the profit is. Yeah. Right? And like, yeah, it's like the, 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 the fact that there are, uh, there is a lack of opportunity to, to have anything that isn't, you know, like extraordinarily cheap or extraordinarily expensive. Something like literally the fact that we can't conceive of an in-between is, uh, it's, is it's issue. creating, I like, I think there's been a few articles about it, but it's creating like an extinction in certain genres of film. Like mm-hmm. they don't make ensemble comedies anymore. There's no more rom-coms or even romance movies anymore. They're just kind of being vanished. Um, yeah, because you just have this studio system that's like, yeah, why even bother? If it's not going to make, if it's not going to make $500 million, uh, it's just Netflix fodder, right? So who cares? Um, so you're either making like, you know, a cheap on the fly horror movie, or you're making some super heroics tentpole thing. Uh, and a similar phenomenon is sort of happening in games. Uh, if it's not like a game as service, first person shooter or whatever um let the indie devs handle it um if it's not a from software game uh then just wait for the next like playstation one haunted disc jam thing happen right Uh, right and there's there's nothing in between but you play you know this is this isn't me like i'm not saying like I'm not given the, the, the title of this episode is going to be Zach Kutzer hates uh, Haunted Disc. I love Haunted Disc Jam rules. Indie games rule. It's just that there, there has to be better options for developers. Local than, like, zinster yeah. hates indie games. <laughs> there has to be better options for people than just, you know, you're either making these low polygon or sprite indie games or you're just working on the next set of Fortnite skins. Mm-hmm. Um, and the industry used to be like that. And like, that's why the library of the PlayStation two uh, and the GameCube feel like it had a lot more bangers uh, per capita than perhaps the PlayStation three and four and Xbox 360. Like, uh, you know, you're not getting Katamari Damasi's no more. You're not getting, you're not getting Silent Hills anymore. You know, <laughs> contentiously right. enough. There's there's a great example of a kind of game that just goes extinct. Um, well, and a great example, yeah. I mean, and like ultimately, I think like one thing that that gets lost in in thinking about like middle brow cinema or whatever is like 
this idea that somehow the taste has disappeared or somehow like it, it's it's the fault of the audience. Whereas like it really is like just like money talks, right? Like mm-hmm. it, the Silent Hills is is like a good example of yeah, like Konami can like make their money on whatever. Like they could just do pachinko machines. <laughs> like it's it's not. <laughs> You know, they, 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 and it's, it, it truly is like, okay, yeah, like we could make another video game like this, or we could just like keep doing this really easy thing and make a lot of money. Um, and you know, like that's what the companies are going to do. <laughs> they love making turns a lot of out, money. Turns out people with gambling problems uh, love dumping their money in these loud little noisy machines. And, yep. Oh, absolutely. And it, they're easy to make. Yeah. It turns out. Yeah. You know, this. You think these things cost a million dollars to develop? No way. Like, maybe in 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 parts, but programming them? No, absolutely not. Yeah, it's it, it. This is like this. Yeah, and it's just this is what it is. Like, it's 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 not it's not like oh the the great paucity of imagination or like oh the the uh, I I bemoan the death of art or something like that. It really is just like the market is such that this is what makes them a bunch of money and. That's what these people want is a bunch of money. Everyone, everyone, you know, crafting their indie games right now, they all deserve the opportunity to, like, burn $5 million, right? Yeah. They all deserve to make their their PlayStation 2 game. Uh, and, you know, that they, they used to be able to, like, stomach that failure a lot more. Like you look back on like the games like maybe EADOS was putting out on the PlayStation Two. And, oh, and you're, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. gonna like I don't even remember this thing existing. Uh, like, I was thinking about an an EADOS game called uh, Oni a while back. That's like that. Like, what is this game? This is bizarre. Like, I'm trying to remember the name of it. There was one. There was like one cyberpunk one where you played as like a squad of like a ninja, a soldier, and a robot. Cool. And it was kind of like a puzzle thing. Um, I can't even remember the name of it. Uh, I was making, I was making fun of, a like, I was talking about like, I guess games that, oh, it was games that came out in, uh, it was on the, on a dirty ending episode. It was games that came out with, uh, in, uh, 1997. And one was like this, um, what was this game that it was, it was called like, I forgot what it was called. It's called like puzzle cube or something like that. And I was like, <laughs> puzzle cube. Oh no, it was called I, I cube or something like that. And I was like, well, "That's silly! Like, what a what a ridiculous game!" And then I looked at it and I realized that I had I, that I owned it. Like, I had I had owned Are it. Talk about that uh, that PlayStation One game, Intelligence Cube. That's the one. Yes, I remember that it had like a huge marketing. Pu- it had a huge like, marketing push behind it too. It, it's like, great. Again, yeah, it's they, so stupid. They, but it's great. They were willing to take like huge risks on the games they were putting forward. Like, yep, and. Like you used to like Sony, they just closed the studio Japan, right? Which mm-hmm. was a, had a huge hand in like shaping what PlayStation means to a lot of people through games yes. like Ape Escape and Parappa. And buddy, you're never seeing a Parappa again. That's that's probably it. It's probably just you know the last of us is in God of war adjacent affairs out of Sony. Now, now let's not, let's not be ridiculous. We could see Parappa as a Fortnite skin. I'm pretty sure pretty soon. <laughs> Maybe things will change now that Parappa is becoming this meme, uh, mm. thing with, um, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't want to admit how many times I've rewatched that video of Parappa, uh, singing with, uh, hoodie Daffy duck. 
saying he <laughs> slammed his penis in the car door. I don't think I've seen that. Oh, yet. you gotta watch that one, buddy. Okay, buddy, I'll I'll send that link to you right after. Thanks. Yeah. Well, this is. I mean, you you know this stuff because you're like you're you're like a known zinester. So like. Oh yeah, it's not you, it's not just because like, I'm brain dead zone. and online. You know, it's because it's because I it's because I have taste and I'm I'm a man about town. <laughs> it's because I'm taste and I have brain dead and I'm and I'm I have <laughs> brain dead. Yeah, I I happen to be. Uh, have a good eye and a horrible brain. <laughs> uh, well, do you think there's there's anything else that you want to say about the genre of games that we haven't touched on yet? Anything anything you feel we we we, we missed? Mm. Were we recording when we talked about the um, shooting gallery thing? Yeah, we were. Okay, all right. Now, yeah, then we said everything. Okay, good. Yeah, I was gonna say if we did, if we weren't, we need to go back and talk about shooting guys. Yeah, yeah. We we need um, games that you just sh- shoot little. Red I want lights. the Fortnite skin. I want the Fortnite skin of the guy who is the like the mechanical cowboy. Yeah, just, just a, like a skeleton the, yeah, cowboy with a big beard. Can't move really well. Whenever you get shot, your hat spins around. Who would Who would you like to see as a Fortnite skin? It was so funny that like. Like less than a week before that Martin Luther King event happened, <laughs> I had like joked in a in on Discord like, "How close do you think we've come to having a Martin Luther King skin in Fortnite?" Turns out, turns out extremely extremely close. close. It turns out I was I don't know if I like manifested it by putting that out there into the world. I think you might have. Yeah, that was a really that was a was a bad choice. Zach. Um, <laughs> the metaverse is a beautiful thing. I uh, I um actually we, I was recording a a, a podcast um it was a, a it's a left um a left film podcast out of um out of out of I think Alberta it's another Canadian uh I think it's like Kino Leftist I think that's what it's called or Kino Left mm-hmm. um it's great it's a super fun podcast you should go check it out uh, anyone listening uh but um we did we did a a review they had me on to talk about um uh Free Guy. <laughs> yeah. Um and we were we were laughing about free guy and, and 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 also being depressed about free guy and uh cuz like I think I think like what was the stat like free guy was the was the only original um franchise that had been put out by a major motion picture company <laughs> uh, which is like very I mean let, let's let's be clear very very loose original going on there um if you if you have Captain America in your movie as a cameo, um, are you an original <laughs> like <laughs> franchise? Hard to say. Um, this 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 does sort of go back to another thing that I think uh, current art scenes are missing is that I just don't feel like Hollywood does enough drugs anymore. Yeah, that's perfectly reasonable. It doesn't feel like what are like the drugs have changed. They're probably just doing different drugs. They're probably still doing a drug, but it's not coke, right? Because no. you watch movies from the 80s and you're like, oh, yeah, they made this on Coke. You watch a movie like 9 to 5 mm-hmm. or uh, Stir Crazy where like the plot cannot focus on going in any single direction for more than like five minutes at a time. And like if you like were sawed in the theater and left to go to the washroom, you'd come back completely confused as to like why. A oh, guy I was terrified like, to go to the bathroom. Yeah, well, as a kid, because it was like. Well, I'm, I can't follow what's going on now. Yeah. Which is not something that happens. And I think you can, you can go take a break anytime you want. I think like even like 
the movies we remember of uh of uh, from the 80s are still very coked up but they per- perhaps have the least offensive amount of that like ghostbusters yeah. still goes on like weird tangents all the time oh 100% like i remember someone someone like it was when it was when the the people were talking about like the new like weird Ghostbusters is like a hagiography of Ghostbusters. Yeah, that's per- that's always like, what I wanted. A jokeless and saccharine look at the Ghostbusters. <laughs> well, people are like, people are like, uh, for anyone saying that the Ghostbusters wasn't a horror uh, franchise, the Ghostbusters was always a horror franchise. And I was like, eh, no. no, it was like, the, I'm sorry the you Ghostbusters were, was a I'm sorry a you saw it when movie. you were five and got scared by a puppet, but <laughs> yeah. The Ghostbusters was a comedy movie that they needed a hook for. <laughs> it's like, how can we get how can we get Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and uh, and 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 Ernie Campbell and um, oh, I'm forgetting the guy. I'm forgetting Vakeman's name. Um, I, I should Ivan Reitman. Uh, yeah, Ivan Reitman. How can we get them all together? They're really funny, and maybe we can get that. Maybe we can get like a couple of other characters in there they're too. Like, like, they're uh, like they're like Fre- Miranda. They're guy. like fresh off like stripes. Yeah, and, and meatballs like. like all right, we made the summer camp movie. We made the armor movie, uh, army movie. Why don't we make a movie about ghosts? You know, that's like, yeah, that's funny. Let's make a movie about like a couple, like a, a bunch of guys who like are clearly like one's a scam artist, one's a true believer. They're just trying to do something, and then they like they fall into a real thing. Yeah, that, that's they, funny. That they, would be they, funny. They get a big pile of coke, and then they start writing the movie. They don't like storyboard everything six years no. in advance. Um, half these jokes are like. They like added it to the script like 30 minutes before and then I kind of show it around. I go, like, yeah, sure. You'll get a blow job from a ghost. That sounds great. Uh, I got you know what? You know what my idea for a uh, for a great uh, great idea is? Why don't we have Venkman by a farm in Illinois? And it? We'll, we'll just we'll follow up on that in a later date. Great. I just want to know like how but, the process in which they just squeezed all the comedy out of this movie. I mean, I think it probably was just a lot of like whenever whenever they were having fun or like thinking about comedy, someone came in and they were like, guys, we need to focus. And then they would just play a slowed down version of like uh, I'm all right from Caddyshack. Like <laughs> with like a <laughs> oh, like with like a child, like two children yeah. sort of creepily I'm singing along. All right. <laughs> like just show really slowed down version of Justice League. And they're like, OK, no, we're back. We're back. Sorry. Sorry. We got a little distracted there. Um, I think that's probably how it worked. There, I, I guarantee you, this movie's gonna come out, and there's gonna be like a bunch of like pieces in like the the Wall Street Journal about how like cancel culture is made, uh, Ghostbusters unfunny. When the truth is probably like they didn't even try to make it funny. Like they weren't, yeah, they weren't it, afraid of like any sort of like kickback. They just like jokes. Comedy's hard, and I'm not good at it. It's not yet. Yeah, it, cancel culture didn't do this. The thing that did this was uh, the fact that it is far more, uh, far more lucrative to just make a movie that has like a couple of Joss Whedon zingers in it, where they're just like, "Oh, that just uh, happened! Wow! Whoa! Uh, hey, were you, did you just see what I saw? What's that smell? Like, yeah, that's a just just make a make an extremely you know dramatic and like self serious film that." Um, you know, otherwise is uh, is just like there, there's sometimes a joke where uh, Paul Rudd will say like, "Uh, I thought I was dating you, not your ghost daughter." Like you, you know what? You know. I have a theory. I have a theory, and I've I've repeated it 
a few times on various social media sites, but I think rent scared a generation oh. scared a generation of future artists that drugs are too scary. I think red scared them off of drugs and I'm like I'm never this stuff clearly ruins your life. We could all be falling in love and singing, but eventually we die of an overdose or something and uh, that's not for me. I feel like red should have just scared people from getting AIDS. Well, like that's not something you can just scare someone away from. Like no one no one Ronald Reagan no thought one, it was. No one wants to get AIDS, right? It's not like in the same way that like I, I don't. Like, I don't. I, like I don't we, watch. I feel like we've. we've I don't. Watched, <laughs> we've watched different propaganda. I, I. I've never watched like Friday the Thirteenth and thought like you know before now. <laughs> before before now, I was like, if I see a guy in the woods with a hockey mask and machete, uh, you know, I'm not going to worry too much about it. <laughs> no skin off my back, but this movie, you know, it's really illuminated things for me. I should probably give that guy a wide berth. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I, I think the other thing about Rent that, like, probably freaked people out is that, like, all the all the problems in it are, like, existential problems that are then boiled down to, like, yeah, and what ends up happening is, like, at the end, we all kind of, like, make enough money to not have these problems anymore, <laughs> or we die. The, yeah, there's... Like, the, oh, okay. I <laughs> kind did, of a hard left turn there. I did catch a, a an online stream of that uh, Sia movie music, which is oh. just, like, which is just, like... Rent brought to its ultimate conclusion of horrible. Doesn't Sia play a mentally disabled person in that That, film? that young girl she has in all her videos is uh, playing that character. But And while you certainly heard about like the horrible portrayal of autism in this movie, which is awful, it's just like they have that, that young actress like doing the horrible like remember when like trump made fun of that autistic guy yes it's just yeah, like no. it's just like that he's it's do just, i remember when trump made, we had to do we, that was our pledge of allegiance for a little while <laughs> yeah she's just doing that throughout the entire movie um so while that is all distracting and probably what you've heard a lot about you probably haven't heard too much about like the fact that like the main character of the movie is like has these horrible addiction issues and is a drug dealer <laughs> Oh. And it's just like it's just like rent cracked cranked up all the way to eleven, where it's like, uh, I'm my body's riddled with drugs and problems, um, but it's nice to sing it. It's like nice to sing about my suffering. Don't 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 they make for such such fun little tunes? How how horrible my life is. <laughs> I actually saw Rent live on Broadway. Uh, um. I saw it in on Toronto on not Broadway because, all right, here's 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 the inception of my familiarity with Rent. I was a kid. My parents bought the Rent CD or, or tape. No, they bought the Rent tape and they played it in the car uh, on road trips. And you know why I liked it? I liked it because it was an opportunity for my parents to let me hear swear words. Oh, well, of course. And then, and then I got to tell my friends at school that this thing, this tape had swears on it. And that's why they thought it was cool. And that's why I thought, uh, that's why I thought it was cool. It was a vector point to hear swear words. I wasn't really critically engaging with what was going on. I didn't really know what AIDS was, or I didn't even really know what paying rent was. But I did know that, like, they dropped a couple of F-bombs, and I know when to, like, get anticipated and giddy for it. And also, I didn't know that Broadway musicals used guitars. Of course, had I seen Phantom of the Opera, I would have just known that, like, 
pre-rent they were all just really coked up rock operas that took which which also rules yeah no we don't get phantom of the opera anymore we get extremely clean uh jukebox jukebox musicals based on pixar films yeah See, I actually I don't have a problem with that because I don't like musicals. Oh, that's um, fine. I'm 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 like that Neymar. Oh, I, you know what? That's not true. I like I liked I really liked Rent uh, when I was when I was in high school, and I'm sure I would like other musicals if I opened my heart to them. But um, that just scares me too much. I don't I don't want to open my heart to anything. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's it is it is it's funny because like the the sense of um, like the the kind of like strange um, uh, clinical like coldness of, of current Broadway musicals is really like, Hey, have you seen this? It's based off this movie you've seen like since spam a lot. It's basically like, Hey, this concept doesn't make much sense, but guess what? You're going to love it anyway. Like, do you love movie that everyone liked? Well, guess what? Uh, and that's, I mean, it, it really is. Again, it's just a profit motive, um, which I, I'll I'll say it one more time, like kind of an interesting reason to go to games, obviously experiencing the same thing as we've discussed, but also a place where weird stuff can happen mm-hmm. or things can, can we, exceed. We, Not nearly as like controlled and like contained as film or Broadway. Yes, you, you can. Obviously, you'll make a lot of money uh, turning Beauty and the Beast into a Broadway musical. Or like uh, that Anastasia movie, Fox made, which I guess Disney just owns now. Yeah, Disney just owns. Well, that's let's, why. That's let's, why. Let's let's have We're Back a Dinosaur Story as a Broadway musical. You know, there's there's like there's like a minimum amount of millions you're gonna make in ticket sales off that, but you're probably not thinking of making a new Phantom of the Opera, where where <laughs> the Phantom is playing an organ and yet synth noises come out. Um, you're probably not, yeah, there, there's fog everywhere <laughs> and, and, and the world's just going to like decide like what a, what a risk you took. And I think it rules and we're going to reward it by leaving, leaving this play in circulation for like 40 years at a time. You know, the, um, this will, this will maybe be like a, a nice depressing note to end on. Um, not to, you know, fully end on, but uh, as one of the, as one of the many ending notes, um, the reason that I knew, the reason I remembered, uh, Fox, uh, was like Disney just owned Fox was because, um, that was something that like, uh, apparently Ryan Reynolds in free guy, when I was, I was doing some research uh, for my free guy <laughs> podcast that I did. Uh, uh, but, um, I did do a little research and I saw that Ryan Reynolds had said like, yeah, like that, like the Chris Pratt cameo, not Chris Pratt, uh, whatever, uh, Evans, the Chris, yeah, that's the whatever, the one everyone loves now. Um, now that Chris Pratt is conservative, uh, I don't, I don't fucking know, but like, um, like Chris Evans was like, he was like, you know, I, I was like, oh, I'd be so cool, like if, you know, free guy or like guy had a bunch of assets in this in this final fight and like could like use them to 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 like fight whatever fight dude who then we discovered was uh is a new Fortnite skin you could just you know use him <laughs> as a which is extraordinarily depressing um but like the he was like yeah I was like ah oh, that would be so cool if I could do that and he's like and then I realized 
I could because Disney owns Fox. So I called up Chris and we just like set up a cameo and like the article's like, I guess stars can do that. God, this this is the most depressing world I've ever been in. It's a big Mickey Mouse club. Yeah. Uh, but we don't even get to wonder if uh, will they won't they with Justin and Brittany anymore. No, they won't. They won't. They won't. They're done. I mean, well, we don't have to wonder because it, you know, it came and went, and now. Uh, oh, you're right. J- JT's and Brittany, they're allowed to do, you know, live their lives. Brittany, especially now, I think the her father filed to end the conservatorship. Oh, did he actually fire to end it? I know he was. He filed uh, to end it, so you know we're not there yet. But free Britney, y'all. Is is her dad like a good guy now? Or are we happy about? Uh, that? No, I'm gonna wager he still sucks. You know. Okay. Cool. I don't. I don't. I. I don't. I don't think like admitting defeat makes you a better person. I just. I just like to know who I should and should not be rooting for. I think. I think as far as this matter goes, rooting for Britney is a pretty safe bet. I mean, yeah, for sure. I do root for Brittany as opposed to uh, for her dad. Mm-hmm. Um, Every time, like, there's like an op-ed that's rooting for her dad, you just like have to wonder, like, what kind of weirdo? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? What's 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 your angle here? What What are you seeking to get out of all this? Yeah, why are why are you like? Why did you feel the need to write this? Like, <laughs> uh, for, for balance, let's start wondering. Uh, Maybe the dad uh, has a bit of a reason to worry about his daughter. Uh, he's just trying oh. to make money, all right? <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> if that's such a bad thing now. Some Sometime along, uh, sometime before Biden was elected and, uh, and Commissar Trump left, uh, we forgot that making money is one of our prized American values. You mean I can't just milk my offspring for their talents and riches for the rest of their lives. What's, how's that fair? How am I, I supposed gave, to make I gave money? them my genetics. I don't, I don't have any talents. What am I supposed to do? We're really, we're really giving it to Brittany. Yeah. T- t- uh, I hope he's, guy. I hope he's listening right now. He's a, he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's actually a huge patron. Um, I probably should have. I was so confused when this matter started like making the rounds cause his name's Jamie, right? Not to be yeah, confused. Not to I, be confused with her sister Jamie Lynn. Jamie Lynn. I'm like, I was like, is her sister holding her like captive? Yeah, seems everyone like was so really cruel. It's like wow. I saw these tweets. I'm like, wow, people really hate her sister Jamie Lynn Spears. Also, what kind of what kind of psycho dad names or gives their daughter their name? There are so many psycho dads that would do that. That's like, <laughs> that's such a clutch move if you're a psycho dad because it's like. Big red, All you have to big do is, red flag. You, big red yeah, you flag. Can, you can instantly just do the like, I I brought you into this world. I could take you out of it thing. Like <laughs> anytime you want. If the kid if the kid shares your name, like at that point it's done. You just like you don't even have to say it. You just can say like I brought you into this world. And be like okay, dad. Yeah, I get. And it. like I'm not even gonna like dignify you with a junior or anything. You just we just have yeah. the same name. Yeah, this is you're you're Lynn. Um, <laughs> You're me, but Lynn. Yeah. I hope. I hope that's cool. Um, God, we're just like this is this is gold. We're really just like mm-hmm. this guy is not going to work in this town again. No. I hope he's. I hope he's ready for the unemployment line. And you know what? It, it's going to be real awkward when in 
two weeks you have Jamie Spears on this podcast. Listen, I <laughs> I'm an equal opportunity podcast. <laughs> Gotta get his side of the story. I well, we hear all about free Britney, but what about free Jamie? <laughs> I want to know. I want to know what what he feels about all of this. And if uh, it was up to me, I would have named a third child Jamie as well. <laughs> <laughs> would have named them wow. all Jamie. You'd have Jamie Spears, Jamie Lynn Spears, and another Jamie Spears. You know, you just who, catch me. Who's like, gonna stop me? It, like uh, the 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 audio catches me just whispering into the mic, like God, this is gold. Just keep keep rolling, keep rolling. Yeah. Oh, this is gonna be huge. Um, I'm gonna get so wait. much patron out of this. People are gonna be so pissed at me, and that's what. I I learned from from various political podcasts that that is a good way to get uh, people excited about your work. <laughs> One way or the other, yeah, yeah. I'm I, yeah. That's I'm up that's for grade school. You just gotta tell. Maybe there's just like another Jamie Spears. Like there's, it's clear there's a lot of Jamie Spears out there. You just find one of them, and you. <laughs> and you put them you put them i think it's never been more clear the, that there's a lot of jamie the spears wall. out there yeah wow who did i talk to jamie spears <laughs> some guy it's like my mechanic like yeah yeah I'm a jamie so did you play video games jamie no he's <laughs> not interesting he's like genghis khan he just he just spread a lot of jamie spears around <laughs> the world 30% of the human population's descent is 30% of every jamie spears is descended from the same one it's amazing. It's like it's 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 just like one of those incredible things. Like how many women Wilt Chamberlain slept with? Uh, you know, okay, we, we, I know I know you're trying to wrap this up, but you just said a very magic word. Um, Wilt Chamberlain. Wilt Chamberlain. So my family, you know, a lot of Canadian families, like uh, you have like a family cottage or something. No, no, no. I'm Jewish. We have a condo down in Boca. Now down in okay. Boca Raton, right. and anyone who's ever been or visited or passed through Boca Raton, they know exactly where this one's going. Will Chamberlain had a theme restaurant in Boca Raton. Ooh. There was yes. a Will Chamberlain. It was like Chuck E. Cheese, but instead of Chuck E. Cheese, it was Will Chamberlain. Listen, you're talking to someone from the Philadelphia area. This is like I uh, Wilt is uh, Wilt's royalty. Like that's Yes. I'm gonna I wonder if it was the only one, but uh Will Chamberlain Yeah, Boca. That was it. <laughs> Wow! It closed in two thousand and seven, but was was one of the gimmicks how many women he slept with? No, it didn't really come up. But you could didn't really go into that. You know, oh, okay. you could you could win those little tickets and get yourself a Chinese finger trap or a Ooh. super or super bouncy ball. Do you think Do you think they still call them Chinese finger traps? Um, I guess you could just call them finger traps. Yeah, I was gonna say. I kind of hope they don't. I don't know if anyone's little. I don't know. A little dicey. Where could I get those? Like, does anyone sell them? <laughs> <laughs> really, really good question. I don't know. Um, yeah, no, I have no idea where you'd get them. Um, I think maybe they're like why they're Boca? Like collectibles How does now? this restaurant end up in Boca? Did he like twirl around? Was this going to be like a flagship operation? Well, I mean, like, don't you, you, you might, you might like, you might start a restaurant in Boca if you think like, yeah, look, I'll, I'll appeal to a bunch of old people. Old people love going out to eat. Like, you they just bring their kids. The right... This is where, you know, old people are going to be here and they're bringing their grandkids and such. Yeah. And the grandkids exactly. are going to play skee ball and uh, yeah, crane I, games. I can think of, I can think of worse places. 
can I? But it was just, you know, yes. it was burgers and burgers and fries. Did you, sort of did you like it? Uh, I like playing arcade games. I like going to the restaurant with the arcade games. Had no familiarity with Mr. Chamberlain. Um, but I kind, yeah, I kind of a lot I, of points. I, I kind of caught on quick what his deal was because the menu's shaped like his legs and it has a basketball next to it. Ah, yeah. Okay, I mean, you know, Yo, you you enter Will Chamberlain's restaurant, you leave with a greater understanding of the man. At least his legs. Yeah, long. Oh yeah, no, the Wilt the Stilt. That's what they called it. Very long legs. Did you know that Wilt the Stilt? And maybe. If you eat enough hamburgers and play enough skee-ball, you could be the next Will Chamberlain, too. Wow. I'd like to believe that that's true. Um, I know it's not. I, listen, I'm, I don't, I'm realistic enough. I don't know the action. I don't know any other way. You know, any so, other way to become Will Chamberlain? Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with this one. This is, as close, okay. this is as close as I can get. Can you have any kind of burger, or does it have to be from Will Chamberlain's restaurant? Because if, if it has to be from Will Chamberlain's restaurant, uh, this story has come to a very tragic end in, in that we can't ever become Will Chamberlain. I guess there's only one Will Chamberlain or whoever ate too many burgers at his place. Uh, I, can't, I can't find a high-res version of the menu to see if there's anything zany on it. Though I can make Are you a, assuming that like, Wilt's... like Will Chamberlain is sort of like the fly in this, in this instance? Like, you can sort of... There's a section that says Wilt's Fountain Favorites, and you're like, okay, so it's his favorite kind of soda pops. But it just lists all the usual suspects. So mm. I guess he liked them all. He loved his Sprite and Coca-Cola, his Nest Tea. He, he, loved any, he, loved, he loved all sodas, and in fact, it didn't that, even matter which company, which company uh, was, uh, was like... Uh, Dasani? Which of the two companies, yeah, did... Did he love did he love Coke or Pepsi? Uh, well this, this was, is clearly a this is clearly you. a Coca-Cola affair. Right, uh, yeah. So Oh, and it still had cherry that radical looking cherry coke logo at the time. Oh, that was cool. Mm-hmm. I liked that. Yeah, when I, when the can looked like Darth Maul. I'm, yeah, do you think we're ever going to get another Darth Maul? Like as a Coca-Cola can or Yeah, a, but mainly that's what I'm asking. Um yeah, they might farm it. They might try to reap that nostalgia one day. God, that's all we have to look forward to. Um, all right. And well, I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna, and I'm oh gonna... look forward to it. I will. <laughs> Zach, where can people find your work? Uh, I am <laughs> on Twitter. You can find Funland at with a Funland mag on uh, Twitter and Patreon. My personal Twitter account is Zach with three A's and Coatser with three O's. Um, I know. Very, very easy. Your SEO on that must be off the charts. Look, uh, you'd be surprised how many other people are in front of me in line to just get Zach with less vowels. So, you know, I I thought you were the only Zach. Yeah, I'm not the case. I'm working on it. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's the spookiest thing you've said all night. I'm, work, uh, I'm working on it. Oh, God. Uh, well, definitely everyone subscribe to Funland. It's a great magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, issue 2, I'm sure, is going to be wonderful. Mm-hmm. And uh, the second issue is uh, coming soon. We put up the – we did a cover drop last week. Uh, Gage Linson uh, did the cover. Very talented individual there. 
I think it was smart not to. I think it was smart to get to get Gage to do it and not to uh, just do the cover from Frankenchrist and hope that uh, the notoriety passed on to you as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know that transitional effect. You know, would have been nice, but <laughs> people sort of play people doing the Ke- the Kevin Bacon game. For yeah, I mean, look, it's, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's a, it, it's, it's a, it's a fantastic piece of work. It's, it's, um, I think it might be one of the things that does like, I don't, it's not like I, I say nostalgia, but like, I don't mean it in the way we were talking about it here. Like it does a sort of like throwback of, um, a, a kind that is like, it's not, it doesn't rely on you. It doesn't rely on the reader feeling a particular way about the work. It's just kind of a, a recreation of it. And I think, I think it really works. I think it's cool. So I hope, I hope you all pick it up. Uh, I agree. Um, I hope everyone listening buys my zine. Wow. That's weird that we both think that, but yeah. you know, I guess, I guess there's no reason you would like, I mean, what, what ulterior motive would you have for that? Uh, no, I can't think of one. Okay, cool. Me neither. Uh, Zach, thanks for being on, as always. Uh, we'd love to have you back soon, unless you commit some sort of heinous crime. You'll be the uh, first to case, know. Well, well, you know, we'll have you back, but it'll be under an alias, so I don't get in trouble. Um, and, uh, and yeah, please uh, please keep listening to the show and uh, keep keep supporting uh, cool zines like Funland. Shana Tova, everybody. Shana Tova. Hey, thanks for listening to No Cartridge. If you'd like to support us further, please consider going to patreon.com slash nocartridge or for a one-time donation, paypal.me slash hegelbon, H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. It's really, really helpful for all of us to be able to support uh, the many people who make the show, uh, you know, myself included, but also our producers and various co-hosts um, and, and writers and artists. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, share, any of those things that would let other people get the quality video game analysis that you've grown accustomed to.